This Shabbat is Shabbat Shuvah, the Shabbat of return, the first Shabbat after Rosh Hashanah and the Shabbat within Aseret uh, Teshuvah. One of the ideas we say about Shabbat Shuvah and the word Teshuvah is that we have a requirement to be Tashuv, to return the hay. We know specifically that we have the name of Hashem, the Yud in the K and the Vav in the K. And we know that on Shabbat, this idea of an Ibur Neshama, of an expanded soul, is where we have an opportunity to take the lower hay, the hay of Malchut, and raise it up to the hay of Bina, and to connect with the, the, the upper worlds without any, uh, <coughs> any roadblocks or any, uh, anything in between. And I think this is also the idea of the word teshuvah, teshuv hay. We can return the lower hay to the upper hay, and we could reconnect at this time of year. The beginning of Aseret Yimei Teshuvah begins the first two days with Rosh Hashanah and culminates with Yom Kippur. It's interesting that we begin with the shofar, and again we're going to blow the shofar at the close of Yom Kippur. But the blowing of the shofar of Rosh Hashanah, the blowing of the shofar is is sort of a wake-up call. Yes, there are people who blow it for the entire month of Elul, but this blowing of the shofar in Rosh Hashanah is a wake-up call. The question is, is the wake-up call too late? We, we blow the shofar Rosh Hashanah, that's the day of judgment, or we have this period which we say is the Aseriti Me Teshuvah, the 10 days of, of being able to do Teshuvah. What was special this year, I think, with the Shofar, was because there were some people who were still concerned about going out and being with a lot of people, we had multiple additional blowings of the Shofar. I know in our neighborhood we had a blowing by one of our neighbors one afternoon, another one of our neighbors blew the Shofar, uh, at another time for people who couldn't hear and people who didn't go to the synagogue, couldn't go to the synagogue or even people who normally wouldn't go to the synagogue were able to come and hear the shofar. It's really something we have to appreciate the, the, the fact that we could even blow the shofar. I heard a story recently by... Uh, a woman, her name is Chaya Halberstam Evers. She talks about her grandfather. and His name was Rabbi Meir Halberstam. And uh, her grandfather was born probably in the late 20s, the mid-20s in Poland. And his father and his family, Rabbi Meir's father, Rabbi Meir himself and his family, they emigrated when he was a young boy from Poland to Palestine, to Eretz Israel. But... Uh, Crazy enough, I guess when we look in hindsight, his father sent Rav Meir back when he was 13 to be with his grandfather. His grandfather was Rabbi Sinai Halberstam. He was the Rebbe of Zemigrad. And he wanted his son, who had just become Bar Mitzvah, to learn with his grandfather. He sent him back to Poland. And unfortunately, we know all know what happened in 1939. The, uh, the war began and... Uh, the Nazis were, were at their heels, and Rabbi Sinai was able to escape with his family from Poland, and he went into Russia.
But what happened in Russia was the Russians saw these Poles coming in. They looked at them as enemy non-combatants and they turned them into into slaves of the of the Russian system, war slaves. They sent them to Siberia. And in Siberia they put them they put them to work to try to uh to generate uh to build arms, to build different things that were needed for the country for the war effort. And we have to remember that the Russians, they were communists and they looked down upon religion. Not only did they look down, religion was outlawed. And Rabbi Meir talks about the fact that he felt so bad that his grandfather was depressed and his grandfather wouldn't be able to blow the shofar. So he he went to his grandfather and he said, Grandpa, but you have a shofar. And his grandfather said, if we blow the shofar, they'll, they'll kill us. So young Mayer had an idea. In the center of the camp, there was a tower with a bell. And that giant bell was there to wake everyone up every morning. At uh, 6 a.m. or so, the bell rang. It rang again a little while later, and everyone had to report to the center of the camp. And so what did the boy do? He climbed to the top of the tower. He unraveled the bell holding uh, the rope holding the bell and the bell came crashing down to the ground breaking into bits and pieces he quickly scuttled down the tower went back to his his uh his barracks as if nothing had happened the next morning there's an uproar in the camp the guards see the broken bell and now they're going to have a problem waking the prisoners they go from group to group to wake them young mayor then comes and tells the, the guards that he has an idea. He said that he, his, grand, his grandfather had an old shepherd's horn and that he would gladly blow it each morning to wake up the prisoners. The commander ordered him to bring the horn at once. And so Mayor came with his grandfather and they handed the commander the horn. And the commander took it, and he started to blow. And obviously, what happens when you don't know how to blow a shofar? Nothing comes out. He yelled at them and said, this is worthless. And the little boy said, no, 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 no. My grandfather's a professional horn blower. He knows how to do it. So the commander handed it back to him and told him to blow. And he blew, and it was beautiful. So he appointed him to wake up the prisoners each morning for the next few days until the bell was mounted and word quickly spread throughout the camp all the prisoners knew this Rebbe and they knew that he would blow his shofar the next morning which was Rosh Hashanah and that shofar blowing would never be forgotten in the camp I think it was something something to appreciate this beautiful aspect of blowing the shofar you know when we blow the shofar we blow it Primarily during uh, during the Amidah of Musaf, we blow it first before the Amidah. Then we blow it three times during the silent Amidah, three times during the repetition of the Amidah, and one final time in the Kaddish Tit Kabbal. And then there are those who blow a hundred and first. We do that a hundred first blowing at the end of the Kaddish before Aleinu Leshameach. 
every time we blow the shofar during the Amidah, the six times that we blow it during the Amidah, the silent and the and the repetition, at the end of the at the end of the uh, the blowing, everyone says out loud, Hayom Harat Olam, Hayom Yamid Bamishpat. We usually translate that to say, Today the world was created. Today, the world stands in judgment. But as usual, our translations from, from the Hebrew to the English have much to, be, much to be desired. Because the word harat, harat doesn't really mean created. And also we've discussed before that this is not the day of the creation of the world. In fact, according to the Gemara, we say, that, assuming Tishrei is the beginning of creation, that the world, the first day of creation, was on Sunday, the 25th of Elul, and Rosh Hashanah is actually the sixth day of creation, the day Adam Harishon was created. And we also discussed why was this day chosen as Rosh Hashanah, to stand before Hashem in judgment. And we also, we read this in the, in the Mahzor during Rosh Hashanah, because this was the day that Adam sinned, this was the day Adam was forgiven, and this is the day his children can stand before Hashem and also take advantage of this aspect of forgiveness. But the word Hayom Harat Olam Harat comes from, from the word Vatahar. We have Vatahar, we see often in the Torah, Vatahar Vateled, Vatahar Vateled Vatikra Shemo. She got pregnant, she gave birth, and she called his name. Vatahad is she became pregnant, she conceived. So a better translation might be Hayom Harat Olam. Today the world was conceived. But if we're saying it was the sixth day of creation, how do we associate the sixth day of creation with conception? How, does, how do we associate it the, in the same way? The sixth day of creation, conception, and then Hayom Yamid Ba Mishpat. What does Mishpat really mean? We, we translate it as judgment. But we've also discussed before this idea of Shofet and Mishpat. We mentioned the book of Shoftim has leaders, but not always are they judges. The idea of the Shofet is to bring balance, balance to the world. And Mishpat is actually a way of bringing balance to the world. So let's look at it again. This is the day the world is conceived. Conceived in what? Balance, to bring balance to what? On the sixth day of creation, that was the day Adam Harishon sinned. Adam Harishon sinned. And what happened? He ate, he and she, Yachava and Adam, they ate from the, the tree of Tov Vera, good and evil. There was a mixture now in the world of good and evil. And with this mixture, it had the, the potential, or it, it actually did draw the world out of balance. Uh, and what is our, our goal then on Rosh Hashanah, Seret Yimei Teshuvah, this Tashuv, this return, is to bring balance back to the world. This idea of teshuvah is an interesting one. 
No, we, we, we mentioned sometimes that the word chet, sin, is when the arrow misses its target. The rabbi would use the, the mashal to say, you know, imagine a guy's driving down the road and his car starts to, starts to miss the target. It starts to go off course. The arrow misses its mark. The car is going off the road. What do we have to do? We have to teshuv, we have to do teshuvah, we have to bring it back onto the road. But sometimes the car just keeps going over to the right or it keeps going over to the left. And we realize at that time that the car is out of alignment. The wheels maybe are not balanced. They're pushing the car over one way or the other. So we take the car to the mechanic and the mechanic then balances the tires, realigns the tires, realigns the wheels so that we can go again on the, on the straight path. And maybe this is the idea also of Rosh Hashanah, of Aseret Yimei Teshuvah, of Shabbat Shuvah, and going into Yom Kippur, to bring the, the car into balance. But we have a problem with Teshuvah. Really, we have a problem. There's a story that I saw told by one of the students of the Chafetz Chaim. He recalls that it was in the early 30s. And the winds of, of change, the winds of anti-Semitism were blowing very, very cold in Europe. And it seemed that the Chafetz Chaim was sitting with them and he was looking at a very dangerous future. And he told them that they were entering the Chivle Mashiach, the, the birth pangs of the Mashiach, and things would become very difficult and very painful. How much did he foresee? We don't know. But he foresaw something not good. And he turned to all of them. They were sitting together, his rabbis with him, his students with him. And he turned to those that he, he had spent so much time with. And he told them that it was necessary for protection, especially in this dangerous, dangerous world that we were facing, especially during these birth pains of the Mashiach, for us to return to Hashem. As the Torah tells us, we're going to come and we're going to return. He says, we all have to return to Hashem. And he said, I'm putting together a chevra of teshuvah, a group of teshuvah. And I'm going to be the first member of this group of teshuvah to be people who are teshuv, who are going to return back to the path. He said, I'm the first member. Who's going to join me? And the rabbi said, and as the rabbi tells the story, he said, nobody said anything. And the Chafetz Chaim, very old at this point, looks, bangs on the table. He says, I'm the first to join this Chivrah Teshuvah. Who's going to join me? We have to know that this is the only way of protection. And the question's asked, why are they embarrassed? Why are we embarrassed? What stops us from doing Teshuvah? What stops us from doing Teshuvah? You know, my daughter, the other day, she was singing a song that we sing in Yom Kippur, but she was singing it based on a class she had heard from one of the, one of my friends. Uh, she heard it, he, he, sing, he sings in the tape, uh, I think it was Rabbi Farhi, he, he thinks, sings like we do. On Selichot, we sing every time we say Selichot, we sing again and again on Yom Kippur. Adon HaSelichot, and what do we say again and again? Hatanu lefanecha. And if you think of what those words mean, we sinned in front of your face, please forgive us now. 
What do you mean? We sinned in front of your face. We sing it again and again. How do we have the audacity to say such a thing? And I think we have to say it because the hardest thing for us to do when it comes to Teshuvah is be modeh. To admit that we sinned. We find it so difficult. You know, look, Adam Harishon. What happens? He sins and then he hides. And Hashem says, Ayeka, where are you, Adam? And Adam is hiding because he's embarrassed. Do we think he's embarrassed that he sinned? Or he's embarrassed that he sinned in front of Hashem? We're afraid to admit in front of Hashem that we didn't do what He wanted us to do. We're afraid, we're we're embarrassed to admit. We're embarrassed to admit that we sinned. The whole idea of doing Teshuvah, the whole idea of being able to return the whole idea of the of this opening given for us it's interesting it comes we read yesterday it's a fast day we read it on all the fast days we read really the aftermath of the golden calf imagine B'nai Israel. we leave Egypt Hashem took us out all these miracles brings us into the desert we have the well we have the the water we have we have the the man we have the clouds we have all of these things that Hashem's done for us. Then we have Ma'amad Har Sinai, where Hashem Himself comes to talk to us from Shamayim. Anochi Hashem I am God, your God. Don't have any other gods in front of me. And what do we do? Forty days later, we see Moshe is delayed in our minds. And what do we do? We worship the golden calf. Not only do we worship the golden calf, we commit the three cardinal sins. We murder Chur, the nephew of Moshe. We worship the calf. And then we commit Gilui Arayot. It says we went Lesachek to play. The three cardinal sins we, had, we, we commit so quickly. It seems like it's over. Hashem tells Moshe, enough, I've had it. Moshe prays to Hashem. He looks for an opening. And then Hashem comes back and tells him something that's unbelievable. And the Gemara says if it wasn't written in the Torah, we could never say it. And we say it again and again this whole past month. And as we approach Yom Kippur, it says, It says, Hashem passed in front of him and he said. The rabbis tell us that what happened... Hashem said to Moshe, this is what the people should do whenever, whenever they make a sin. Whenever they do wrong, wrap themselves in the talit like I'm showing you. And they can say, Amonai, Amonai, El Rachum Vechanun, Erech Apaim Lalafim. These are the Yag Midot, the 13 Midot, the 13 Midot of Rachamim, that we turn to Hashem to forgive us. And we begin them by saying, Hashem, Hashem. We always have to pause between the Hashem and the Hashem. Why? And the rabbis tell us, why is it Hashem twice? Because there's Hashem before the sin and Hashem after the sin. Hashem before the sin and Hashem after the sin is exactly the same. It's we that the sin is affected. But Hashem says, just like I loved you before, I love you still now. And although you sinned, 
there's a way out. There's a way out from the sin. Every Friday night we say, It's good to admit to Hashem. The rabbis tell us that this was written by Adam Harishon, Adam. When he turned to Cain and Cain had killed Hevel and he said, Cain, how are you still alive? And Cain said, a person who's modeh ve'ozev yerucham. A person who admits his sin, he leaves his sin, Hashem will have mercy on that person. The whole idea we try to convince ourselves of again and again, we sing it out loud. We sing it, but it's just words unless we actually draw it out from ourselves. We say confession again and again, especially Yom Kippur. We say confession, these long confessions, listing every sin imaginable, all of the 365, all the 248. We list them again and again because we want to stop and say, hey, I need to be modeh. I need to admit. I know it's embarrassing. I know I want to hide. I know I don't want to do it. But the rabbis are trying to remind us. Moshe is trying to remind us. No, this is a time of teshuvah. If you're modeh ve'ozev, then ye'iruham, then you're forgiven. One of the strangest things I think we we end Yom Kippur, we come to Minchav Yom Kippur, we, we say the, read the Torah, Minchav Yom Kippur, and then we read Haftarah Yonah. Everyone wants to have Haftarah Yonah. It's beautiful to read. The idea is strange in Yonah. Yonah, Yonah is the one that Eliyahu Hanavi brought back to life. He's the boy. He has a piece of Eliyahu. He's Kanai like Eliyahu. Hashem wants him to go to Ninveh and tell them to repent and they'll be forgiven. He doesn't want to go because he knows that they're not really going to seriously, seriously do Teshuvah in Ninveh. Still he goes and he announces the end is near, you better repent. And the people all repent and the Gemara tells us it wasn't a true repentance. Still Hashem accepted it. I think we read this because again we're reminding ourselves as Yom Kippur is ending. Listen, realize, realize something. Just be more there. Just admit. That's the first step. Committing your heart to be Ozev. Okay, maybe you didn't last year and you didn't really Ozev. You didn't leave the sin. But just admit and try to be Ozev. Just admit, list the sin. That's the first step. Think about all the things we've done. Think of all the things we haven't done. Think of our shortcomings. The first step is to face the reality. The hardest thing, though, is to face the reality because we don't like to face reality. We don't like to face reality. We want to think that we're perfect. So many of us, we sin. Not only do we not admit the sin, but we justify the sin and we turn the sin into a mitzvah. The idea of the idea of blowing the shofar is to wake us up and say, hey, I'm not perfect. Make a list of where I'm not perfect. That's where it starts. Once you can make the list, then you could begin the process of ozev. Okay, I'm going to try this, try this, try this. Try it for a day. Try it for an hour. The rabbi would tell us the secret to fight. The secret to fight the, the Yetzir Hara is to delay. 
The Yetzir Hara tells you to do something wrong, say, you know what, Yetzir Hara, in an hour, tomorrow. Push him off. Try one day to be Ozev. Then the next day, take it a day at a time. And if we do that, we're guaranteed, we're guaranteed, admits and leaves the sin, Hashem will have mercy on us. Bezrat Hashem, I wish all of us, we should go into the Shabbat Shuvah, we should realize the beauty of Shabbat Shuvah. You know, I, I heard the, the some of the Mekubalim, they relate this month, this month of Libra, scales, bring the world back into balance. The letter Lamid is often associated with this idea of, uh, of, uh, of this month of Tishrei. The letter Lamid is the only letter that rises up above the line. There's one letter of the regular letters that falls below. This is the Kuf. But the letter Lamed rises above. And this is the opportunity that Hashem is giving us during this time of Tishrei, during these Aseret Teshuvah, to rise up, to lift this letter, to lift ourselves up. There's something about the Shofar. It raises us up. It allows us to fly. It allows us to soar. It raises up our souls. As we enter this Shabbat Shuvah, let's imagine the Yud, the K, the Vav, the K. The lower K, it's on the ground, it's below me. I have the opportunity when tonight I begin the Kabbalat Shabbat. When I say the Kabbalat Shabbat, I can raise up the hay, the lower hay, so that it rises through Zerampin, it rises through all the other levels till it comes to the higher level, to the level of Bina. This is the idea when we do Kabbalat Shabbat. This is the idea when we this is the idea when we do Kabbalat Shabbat. This is the idea when we do Barechu. We bow specifically on Friday night. We're raising the lower A to the upper A as we lift ourselves. We're drawing the upper A down and raising the lower A up so that they meet, so that we could rise up to this upper A. And we have this idea again right before we begin the Amidah. This is the idea brought by the Ben Ishchai. We're raising up this hay to the upper hay. We're connecting to Bina. Bina is also associated with the ear. The ear that heard. The ear that heard. This is what we need to return. But the ear is also associated with balance. Adam HaRishon sinned. Hayom Harat Olam. This is the day the world was conceived. Adam took the world from what it was to a new world. A new conception of the world. A world of a mixture of good and evil. Hayom harat olam, but hayom yamid bamishpat. It's up to us to bring balance to the world, balance through the scales of Tishrei, balance as we relate to the higher bina, relating to the inner ear, which brings balance. This is our goal, and the first step to bring balance is to be modeh, be modeh, be ozev, and then we're guaranteed Hashem yiruchah. Everyone have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbat. And I wish everyone should be written for a year of health and happiness, peace and prosperity.